fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. We do that. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. You know me. We're starting Schwarzenegger movies. My absolute favorite actor in so many ways. So I'm excited. I'm more than excited. Well, longtime listeners will know about your obsession with Schwarzenegger, which is why we turned it into Schwarzenegger September. That's what you're talking about. But then, and let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have to introduce our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, are you there? And where are you broadcasting from this week? Today, I've uh, commandeered the signal here at uh, ICS headquarters. Uh, you know, it's important that we get this information out. You know, we just like uh, Benjamin Richards did. Uh, fellow Benjamin, we got it. You're amongst a very important group there. Uh, so let's get right in. We're talking about Running Man here, people. That we're, that's going to be our first movie. Now, I got to tell you guys, I had never heard of this movie until Denon suggested it. But what a suggestion. There are so many people in this movie. It's a Stephen King story. And it has Richard Dawson, Mr. Me Too, I'm going to call him. Uh, <laughs> I want to start out with some Richard Dawson stuff here. Uh, this, uh, Have you guys seen any of the stuff he's done? Like like the stuff he did in the 70s recently? Uh, has, it doesn't hold up well. I have not rewatched it, but it's sort of burned in my memory a little bit. The Family Feud game show. It was yeah. just incredible what that man did on the on screen. I'm not even sure yeah. what he did off screen. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. nothing has gotten out about this. So there's a compilation on YouTube. I'll put a link to it where he kissed 200 contestants on the mouth in 1980. And the 1980 season, 200 women. I, I, it was so weird. I got uncomfortable at the end. I mean, he was taking people by the chin and it was always on the lips. This was weird. How was this like normalized back then? I mean, this was so crazy. Anyway, he's in the movie. <laughs> he and Jesse Ventura. And and I, I got to tell you, this is such a fun movie, Denon, because I, I think this there's, there's so many goofy parts to this. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it because it's very Schwarzenegger 1980s. But it was actually really fun, a really cool story. I, I get it, Denon. Yeah, it, it, what it is, it's, it's the classic adventure slash fun. It is a very much Schwarzenegger style. And you have all the interesting people and shouts out to the kind of wrestling world, which, Dan, I know you mm -hmm. like. Oh, I um, do very much. And, that, and there's also the, the minor self-references among Schwarzenegger movies. You have to fit in the line, I'll be back. I mean, what else are you going to do? So a lot of fun there. No, I forget. I believe he, he had already done Terminator. So that was, I, that was a shout out to himself, right? Exactly. That was definitely a shout out to himself. <laughs> Self-referential Schwarzenegger, for sure. Uh, so the first thing we see in this, in this, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is how they, in some ways, so the theme of today's show is going to be uh, how well that this movie actually predicted some things in the, in the future, the first of which was how reality shows just got so crazy, which is the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, th this is really, to me, the key to this whole thing, and, and just how there's a totally different definition of reality. Uh, ben, I know you're a reality fan. What did you think about this? Well, I'm a real reality fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 
it's it's fascinating to see the kind of predictive powers of this show where you know obviously we we still don't have death sport on television thankfully but we do but having these kind of weird game shows where where also a lot of stuff is kind of faked is was very predictive of the time now in true game shows we still don't fake stuff cuz we have kind of laws about that but it was really interesting to see this kind of warped you know how do we tell a story but make the the good guy seem like the bad guy you know editing which is now a very common thing yeah I, there's a lot of fun stuff in that and and the you know the game show part of that is really cool I, I don't know if you guys remember you know you mentioned that you can't really fake a game show that's really true but you also can't rig a game show as a contestant there was a famous case from press your luck where someone took like with a VHS tape they recorded several hours I don't know if you guys remember press your luck it was you know you're sitting in the, and there's a uh, you're sitting in like a circle with all these lights around you and it had the whammies and it would kind of randomly switch this light around and you'd hit a buzzer so it would stop. It wasn't really a wheel because it didn't go around in a circle. It, these lights randomly appeared, but someone found out what the light pattern was and took them for like everything, took the producers for everything that they had. He wasn't, it was, it's more, he was really kind of punished the way card counters are punished in Vegas. It's not so much illegal, but it's really frowned upon and producers don't like it. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine that. So, sort of yeah. um, came up in Running Man, the TV show, how they didn't really like that um, Arnold kept winning and actually made it back to the, the, yeah. the studio. Um, and it, it does have this sort of almost, you know, survivor, um, amazing race kind of feel where there's a weird competition. Now, in this case, there there's the, the, the chasers and the runners. And so you've got people who are part of the show and not part of the show. But um, it's it's interesting, and it's got this space that it's happening in, and in a weird way, the audience is voting, right? They're like, they're like voting initially for which chaser is going to win, and mm-hmm. then they all switch and they start voting for Arnold, which of course you should have been doing from the beginning. <laughs> right? You always got to bet yeah. with Arnold. No, I like that. I like that voting part. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, it all just comes goes back to though, like if you don't want people to beat your game, make a better game, like. <laughs> That's not how people you know, think, Ben. You know, kill, you know, Killian. You know, when he saw when Killian saw Arnold running in those prison break videos, he should have known his stalkers weren't going to be up to the challenge. And he, <laughs> Ben, you know that's the, we're a blame first society. We blame others before we take a look at the internal workings. Uh, you know, um, now I'm going to tell you guys. Have you guys ever heard of the, the video game Smash TV? I have not, unfortunately, Dan. I feel bad now. No, that's okay. Don't feel bad. I'm going to explain it to you. So Smash TV was this, it was a big game in the 90s. It was an arcade game. And it was this crazy game where you would, you were a contestant on a game show. And it was Bloodsport, like you mentioned, Ben. And the goal was to get to the end where you had to fight like a final boss. But you got to choose which room you would go into. And you would go into the room and it would just be flooded with enemies. And you would have to shoot them all and try to survive and pick up as many toasters as you possibly could. Now, I always thought this was a totally messed up game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as a kid, and I just learned that this was inspired 
by Running Man. And I, I love that. I didn't know that. This came out three years after the movie came out. And and I, I don't know. That was really cool to me. And also, I should mention before we jump into more predictions, you know, we live in California. He was known as the Butcher of Bakersfield. This may be the most famous Bakersfield has ever gotten. <laughs> There's also the Wilshire Detention Zone. And all the guards are wearing masks, which looks a lot like right now. And that movie, the movie takes place in 2017, even though it was filmed in 1987. And they accurately predicted what L.A., downtown L.A. would look like. So there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about the first thing that I thought was really cool that they predicted was the Internet of Things. There's a scene where um, I forget the, the woman's name. She comes in and she starts talking to her coffee maker and to the TV and it starts doing everything. That was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, they, they 100% nailed the smart home decades before anything smart home ever existed. It, I, I was really kind of shocked watching the movie again, seeing her, you know, talk to the TV and talk to the lights and all that. Like, that was a pretty, they really nailed it there. And, and part of it, now, they didn't get the maybe the name like Siri or whatever correct <laughs> exactly. But I, I felt as some of these things go, it wasn't. Um, too bizarre, right? It really does align pretty well with some of the stuff we're seeing emerge now. Um, and I like the way you called that, Dan, because it is the name like the Internet of Things, like how your things are all going to be connected um, in various ways. Yeah, the one thing they didn't predict, which a lot can't, it's funny to watch these movies when you start, when you actually arrive at the year that they're talking about, which is kind of cool to see what they were, what, how they, what trajectories they were going on. We kind of talked about that in our Star Trek, the original series episode, like what was going on then? What did they see the trajectory looking like? And then what did it actually become? Because it's crazy to see huge tube televisions. Like, did they really think yes. there wouldn't be any change in the size or depth of a television in, you know, 30 years or whatever? Yeah, well, and they still have corded phones. <laughs> right. The TV can talk to the toaster, but they, they, you still have to talk to someone with a cord in your hand. That is really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I think failed technological predictions are almost as interesting, as you said, Dan, as the successful ones. <laughs> They're definitely hilarious. I do love them. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. Maybe we'll do uh, you know, an FGGBT weekly on, on uh, failed failed predictions. But I, I, you know, I think this is really cool, and, and not a lot of not a lot of shows or TVs or TV shows or movies were doing that type of prediction back then from what I think about obviously we talked about how you could talk to a computer itself but connecting objects this early on unless my memory is not serving correctly this was kind of a pioneer yeah I think you were usually talking to individual things is my record um Recollection as well, Dan. And then we'll just see all the people who post on our, our tweets how wrong or right we were. We can follow up with that. So people should engage yeah. with this moment because we're going out on a limb here. We're being bold. <laughs> right. And if I'm wrong, you'll find it in the errors, additions, and corrections uh, section that, that, where I will correct where I was wrong. So you will hear about it here first for sure. Uh, now, now, when we're talking about corrections, the next thing, Ben, you kind of alluded to this earlier, was the manipulation of footage. Whether it was the creation of the Butcher of Bakersfield where they recut the footage or the deep fake at the end of the movie where they fake, they fake Schwarzenegger's death. I never remember any of these characters' names. I apologize in advance. Uh, but th this was, I thought, really cool because there weren't a lot of, you know, this type of the thought put into editing and manipulating video footage from whole cloth, you know, like putting 
someone else's face on a body digitally. I like this. What did you think, Ben? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a very predictive s- situation of this manipulative media, just like, like, unfortunately, we often see today where you cut out parts and it totally changes the narrative. Like, what's really interesting, especially about the Butcher Bakersfield part with Arnold is there was, unlike it later where they insert fake stuff, there's nothing fake about what that was in that segment. That's all footage from the original true thing. They just cut out the parts where he disagreed and it made him look like the bad guy. And it, it shows you, like there's all sorts of examples today of uh, various things where if you cut out some of the context, it can t- completely reverse the meaning of the clip. I also like, Dan, you know, the fact that they do the fake at the end where they're digitizing over bodies um, really makes us think about where we're going with CGI um, and how much that gets just used in movies for pure entertainment purposes. And, and really, they almost underpredicted, right? Because a lot of our CGI doesn't necessarily need a body there, though you're often using the body to do some of the tracking of the motions with the different points on it. But I think the way they sort of Often I, th- I feel like what's shown in movies about the way computers work is often, you know, very hokey and fake. Um, and, and I felt like in a weird way for the time, the way they showed them doing that is shockingly good for how we actually would do that now. Yeah, it, it was it. I mean, it's sad, but kind of funny that they had to actually murder a guy to make that work in the show. <laughs> and like, who was that guy? Where was he from? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a really great point because to, what you're saying, Denon, is they use CGI really well. And the way we kind of first started out with CGI was to add things to a character's surroundings, to their environment, maybe interact with them. But, you know, t- to your point, Ben, this is a step further where they start using that to manipulate people around them. So there's like there's a little there's there's a cognitive jump that you have to make between just having the technology as being kind of fun and then using it to manipulate people around you. And yes, the death masking the death of one person who becomes a nobody. They don't know you don't even know who he is. And he's used to just because he has the same body type as, as Arnold as Arnold to fake his death so that they can go out and kill him, <laughs> you know, basically retribution so they don't have to set him free. That was really insidious, guys. No, and it, what, what was weird is that's, again, talking about failed predictions, this awkward moment, right? They predict being able to CGI on someone's face. But as Ben, as you said, they didn't predict being able to CGI someone dying. <laughs> like, that was <laughs> kind of the weird thing here, right? Or they didn't care. They just did it anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, it did show the style of the society, right? It was a very, very yeah. harsh uh, world at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to watch all the little old ladies in the... In the audience, you know, enjoying the blood sport. I think that was a pretty fun move they did. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to go back, I think Dawson lays a couple of smooches on them as well. That's yeah. kind of his signature. No, nothing on the lips, though. I was I was paying attention to that. Yeah. You know, and I remember, not to go back to this, I apologize, but I remembered as him kissing them on the cheeks. When I was watching the compilation, I was shocked that it was on the lips all the time. I thought they were going to do that in the movie, but they didn't. But he still got his signature smooch in there, which, which is, which is you know, that's pure Dawson, if I must say so. And I do want to say, Ben... 
you know, manipulating, uh, taking footage out of context is something The Daily Show made a career out of, although they always did it for the humor aspect of it and not for <laughs> not for the death. I don't know. It's still manipulation. I can't say one's better than the other because you're still manipulating people, the hearts and minds of people. But I would say, you know, one's probably a little bit better than the other. You know, we don't like to take a moral yeah. stand. You know, humor is certainly <laughs> better, Dan, than, than what was done. <laughs> We're scientists. We don't take moral and ethics stands. That's true. That's true. But we but we do like humor. So, yeah, we do. We do. We do try to inject that um, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. But we do love it nonetheless. Uh, Now, one of the speaking of humor, you know, Denon, you kind of brought this point up to me, which I loved. But there's so many movies in the '80s where the point of the movie, including They Live, which we did a whole episode on Hoffman glasses, the whole point of the movie is that there's something going on that the people of Earth or the people of the United States must know about. So what do we do? We must go and hijack a TV station and get the word out. This is actually a very surprisingly common, a com- I don't want to say trope, but a common theme, a common storyline. It is pretty cool how many of how many times this has happened in history, which is really fun. But I'm really curious, how would one, at least in using 1987 technology, how would one actually go about this? Is it as easy as it looks in the movies? Ben, I'm going to go to you first on this, being our engineer. Yeah, actually, even today, it, it might not actually be much more complicated than it was back then. <laughs> TV satellites are usually pretty simple things. So specifically in Running Man, they talk about hacking the satellite signal. So satellites are, TV satellites, especially TV satellites of 20, 30 years ago, were exceptionally dumb satellites. They're, they're what's called a bent pipe. So basically the signal goes up to the satellite and like a bent pipe, it just comes right back down. That's why they call them that. Mm. And the only okay. change that happens in the satellite is they change it from the receiving frequency to the transmitting frequency. Because the uplink frequency is different from the downlink sin- frequency. That way, the signals don't uh, conflict and uh, cause interference. So if you had a stronger signal, or if you just took over the uplink station, you would 100% be able to replace that and as long as you have control of that signal, no one's going to be able to tell the satellite to turn it off because it's always through the same place. Like you, and then everybody who's watching that satellite, they're going to get what you put into it. Like it will work. So I, I, I wonder, Ben. Interesting question. Then you know because you've got the satellite TV, which is a weird other prediction, Dan. If you think about it, right? We went. You know, how many people now have their satellite TV service, not cable? But many people are going back to just Internet streaming. And is the Internet streaming a different sort of hacking mechanism from that perspective? Again, I'm going to turn to Ben as the engineer, just as Dan did with that, and put him on the spot. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's an interesting point. The the Internet version would be much tougher because when you are – let's say you're streaming – you know, you're watching a video on YouTube – that, that copy of the video could be coming from any of maybe hundreds, maybe even thousands of data centers. We don't really know the truth in that regard. So if, if you wanted to, like, say, replace the most popular YouTube video with, like, your own propaganda film, you would have to hack hundreds, maybe even thousands of servers to replace that file and hope Google doesn't catch on <laughs> uh, before you've, you've done your uh, dirty deeds here. It would be far more challenging than the kind of classic uh, broadcast media 
style with like cable networks and satellite networks. And even more, like, you know, you talk about cable, but cable uses the same uplinks that the satellites do. Like the like Comedy Central or, you know, pick any cable channel for the longest time, those signals came in over satellite to all the different uh, cable distribution points. And so if you hacked that satellite uplink, you would replace that channel across the country. Awesome. What's kind of interesting is, is so I'm going to talk about a couple of different ones in real life because there are a lot of really fun ones. What surprised me is just how, how they, they weren't really on, like the hacks didn't last very long. So when you're saying that, that they work, I believe that they work, but it seems like it was actually really easy to, to cut the hack off. Which I think that was the surprising part to me is if they have control, why could you? Why could they? Why could someone else wrestle control away from the hacker in two to four minutes? I, it depends on how the hack was done. I think is is the main thing. The if if you can shut off the transmitter that they're using or overpower it somehow, oh. then yeah, you, you you lose that you lose that hack. And, and I think that's the key in Running Man. In principle, this is the one main transmitter, right? Ben and Dan, yes. if I remember it right. Mm. So by getting control yeah. of the transmitter was the best way to do it. They also mentioned that like when they're in like the underground bunker, um, Schwarzenegger mentions that, well, once you hack the channel, they'll just switch to a different uplink. You can't, you know, you won't be able to do anything. And, and they go, well, yeah, that's why we're taking an arm. We're going to do an arm takeover of the headquarters too. <laughs> in reality, you needed both <laughs> for this to work for more than a few minutes because yeah, you, you could switch it. Like, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of great hacks throughout history. I found a great article. I'm going to put it on the website. So what's kind of cool is this article breaks it down in hacks that were from 1970 to, like, let's say 1987, right, when this movie airs. And then there was another section of hacks that takes place from 2006 until 2000, I think, 16 was the last one on this list. So there's a huge gap in there, but it's kind of what you're talking about. Old transmitter style and then new, they're using computers to kind of hack into the signal. But here are a couple of great ones. So I'm going to focus on some of the some of the hacks where they take over a television station. But my favorite on this on this website is one where they someone in Montana in 2013 took over the emergency broadcast system, and it says the dead are rising from the grave and attacking the living. Please do not approach. They are extremely dangerous. And I got to tell you, if I'm sitting at home hearing a real broadcast, emergency broadcast doing that beep, 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 beep. If I hear that when I was listening to that, I got kind of scared. I was like, wait, maybe they are coming. You know, you don't you kind of don't know for a second. Uh, so that was my favorite. But let's talk about some of the other ones. In uh, this is November 26th of 1977 in the UK. Southern television was hacked during the 5 p.m. news with someone claiming to be an alien named Virilia. There's that you see the video from the news broadcast, but they've only so they've only uplinked their audio, but they were on for about five minutes talking about how humans should give up their arms and and not be attacking uh, each other. And, and the, the, this is alien race from the Galactic Empire. This went on for like five minutes. That hacker remains at large. That was a really fun one in 1986. HBO on HBO hacker by the name of Captain Midnight replaced part of a movie with a still image that read good evening HBO from Captain Midnight 
$12.95 a month. No way. Showtime movie channel. Beware. That went on for four minutes. That guy was caught. He was an engineer and a satellite dish dealer, so he would have access to the equipment who had a vendetta against HBO. And then my favorite one. This is in Chicago, my hometown. This is a very famous hack. This happened in 1987, November of 1987. A guy in a Max Headroom mask. I don't even know if people listening even know who Max Headroom was, but he was really popular in the 80s. He took over the airwaves for about two minutes. They never found who was responsible for this hack. It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And this particular hack comes the closest to what we see in these movies because it is so underground looking. That one was about two minutes in length. The average hack is only three to four minutes, which it surprised me that it was that short, which is why my question was, why aren't these longer? Uh, but I, I don't know. But but I just I loved these examples so much. Well, Dan, as, as, as Ben pointed out, these are so short because very few people hack and take over the main transmitter with an armed attack. Right. That, that's the rare part. So <laughs> right. they have lots of ways to switch to a different uh, transmitter in, in reality. But yes, I, I, I love that list. They're yeah. really fun. And, and they have YouTube videos on, on that list. They're, they're a lot of fun. So hacking's possible. It is a fun thing that they do in these in these 80s movies. And it is possible, I guess, um, especially if you take over the place like you mentioned. Well, we've arrived at our errors, additions, and omissions section. Things we want to talk about, but we're not going to. Ben, do you have anything from The Running Man? Yeah, so... the. So there's there's two things. One is I you know if you want to learn more about rocket sleds, you know besides watching our one of our uh, physics of Looney Tunes and the Acme product catalog, you can watch Running Man and see the rocket sleds <laughs> they used to launch people into the course. <laughs> so I like that little uh, tie-in there. Yeah, very similar. Uh, the other thing, another prediction that they made was uh, memory cards. I don't think there were digital memory cards back in the early '80s, but we see when. Uh, there, she's pulling the footage of, you know, the edited and the raw footage of the Bakersfield massacre. The the little cartridge, it's a little plastic cartridge that says digital video on it. So you know that looks like a, you know, a red cassette to me or something. I mean, I don't know that it would be in a file cabinet that anyone could just walk into. Well, but. right. They, they definitely they definitely miss the fact that now it would be in a in a server, right, yeah. not on a card. Yeah. Or, well, the, actually, the cards would probably be stored somewhere yeah, yeah. in cold storage. For sure. So, just in case the server crashes. But I thought it was you know, funny how they at least have the digital... They at least weren't using film or videotapes. No, that is... That is <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's a great, that's a great catch there, Ben. Uh, Denon, what did you see in this? So I, I have a couple of things. First of all, I've always thought it's absolutely amazing to cast, cast Richard Dawson as a creepy game show host. Um, I mean, you talk about typecasting, that's right up there. Um, second, I do wonder if you're part of an apocalyptic, post, you know, apocalyptic kind of dystopia society, w why do you build your game show set area at the same location as your main most important transmitting tower and where the uh, rebels have their base? Um, I guess the Rebels could sneak in, but I feel like it's really hard to get onto studio property. So th th those were kind of a couple things right there. And, and finally, I love the fact that when Richard Dawson goes down in his sled, we see the classic 
80s action movie where a, a metal sled and a person hits a sign and the whole thing explodes. Um, we just have to have extraneous <laughs> explosions for no good reason. Well, I love it, especially because there's no scientific reason behind it, which is a whole nother physics conversation. And also on top of that, there's an exploding hockey puck that actually doesn't explode on impact, but a metal <laughs> a metal cart will explode on impact. Uh, I've got a couple of, of, of fun ones here. You know, we see Tab, that Tab, the, the, the soft drink still exists in 2007. I see a Bowflex uh, in one of these things. These are two, two of my favorite things. I love seeing these in movies. I love that the Justice Department has an entertainment division. Uh, the president has an agent, which I think is actually true right now. Uh, and if you go to court, you have a, a, a court-appointed theatrical agent to work your deals, which is fun. And the last thing, Denon, i got to take issue with you. I don't think that they considered Richard Dawson to be creepy back then. Um, but he clearly takes the place of a creepy game show, which is my whole point. I don't understand that things were so different in the 70s. Man, they were fast and loose and wild. Uh, definitely a different time for sure. But this was a great, I, I love this movie. This was so much fun. And they really did predict quite a few things here. But if we missed anything, or if you want to make a suggestion to us, we're easy to get a hold of. You can find the show on Twitter at FGGGBTPod, on Facebook at FGGGBT. But Denon, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram. Just reverse my name at Denon Michael. And on Facebook, you throw in a prof. It's at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at bseepser. How do you spell that, Ben? B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at Daniel J. Glenn. On Instagram, I am at the Daniel J. Glenn. On Facebook, at Analytical Mastermind. Uh, this is a great show. I cannot wait for more episodes on our Schwarzenegger September. Uh, this is going to be a fun ride. But Schwarzenegger, he can handle this stuff. He is an action star of, of just an incredible, incredible reputation. But people at home, if you're going to try this technology, you got to be careful. Like him, you want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time thank you for listening fascinating gadgets gizmos and gear based technologies is a glenco production and is produced by me daniel j glenn the fascinating gadgets gizmos and gear based technologies introduction was produced by daniel j glenn and paul springers with music and sound design written and performed by paul springers now if you like this show you're going to want to subscribe well how do you do that the good news is we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you're not already on those platforms, don't worry. We've made it very easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com, where you will find links to everything you're looking for. All the subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. Links to our social media are right there. And if you go to the top of the page, you'll see a little button that says episodes click on that and go to your favorite episode there you can find the show in its entirety you can find the links that we talked about the in real life examples that we brought to you including videos and of course we've got each episode has its own youtube video you can watch it there if you prefer and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening